Vocês agora estão escutando o Open Canvas. Open Canvas. <laughs> This is Taj Alexander. I'm here with an amazing, special, talented guest. This person you probably known or seen his work on some of your favorite artists. He's done so many amazing things. So without any further ado, man, introduce yourself. I am Jerome Lamar, fashion designer, cultivator of culture, artist, business owner, entrepreneur. Where do we begin, man? <laughs> Yo, so really, I just want to say thank you really for being on the podcast because you were one of those people that showed a lot of love very, very early and saw what I was doing. And we only met each other maybe once or twice at some events probably that you threw. But <laughs> just to see, you know, the progression of things and how you've sort of been there all along, I really thank you for that, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So, like I said, where do we start, man? I mean, I feel like your, your story is just so wild at the same time that we could just go in any direction. But let's just start. Where are you from? Man? I am from the South Bronx, born and raised, third generation. So the Bronx is my home. It's where I build. It's where I create. Mm. And it's where I was born. So it's really special to me. Where in the Bronx? Um, from the Soundview area. Mm. So it's kind of rough, but <laughs> <laughs> rough things create beautiful things too. Yeah, right? explain for someone who doesn't know Soundview. Paint the picture for us. Wow, Soundview <laughs> has a lot of a lot of things going on, let's say. You have the most Latino of the Latinos. It's a melting pot of, I don't want to say the struggle, because a lot of people who've made it from here, but you know, it, it has a lot of culture within it. Tough culture too. It's not a soft place. Mm. Definitely is a place that I found a lot of my creativity. It's definitely a place where hip hop thrived. It's a place I call home. Nice. But I, I don't live there now. I live in Pelham Bay. Okay. So I literally <laughs> moved on up. Yeah, but yeah. it's still the yeah. birthplace. I got family in Pelham Bay on Pelham Parkway. So yeah. shout out to y'all. I know y'all listening. <laughs> But yeah, man, so for you, did you have siblings growing up or? Mm -hmm. We all have tattoos on our left arm, nice. on our bicep. And I have one older brother and two younger sisters. Wow. I have a really close connection to my siblings. Yeah. They really support me. They help me to stay sane and human because I often float away in clouds. <laughs> so they yeah. keep me down to earth. Yeah, yeah. And um, what were you doing at a young age? What was like your main passion or things you were just into wow. as a kid? Okay, as a kid, I was very shy because I knew I was different, mm. not only for my sexuality, but for just the way I thought. Mm. I didn't like going outside, so I stayed in and I illustrated and I would sketch different things and create things with my hands, like cutting up socks to create doll clothes for my sister. <laughs> I was very independent. My older brother, who's four years older than me, was very pivotable in the way I saw myself because I wasn't as masculine as he was. Mm -hmm. I knew I was different. So my brain power came from solitude and lots of, I guess it was meditation in, in that sense. It's like um, before you even knew what meditation yeah, was. Right, yep, right, right. I would sit in my room and I would think things through and kind of zen out. Mm. And my family kind of let me be. Yeah. They allowed me to dream. That's yeah. real, man. It's dope. So from that early age, you're basically a mini designer, you know, for your sister <laughs> and like creating these little pieces, one of one pieces. What sort of led you into fashion on a larger scale? Okay, there's a few things. Okay, so my grandmother <laughs> and my grandfather are the flyest sons of bees in the world. <laughs> Why? Well, how are they with Justin? How are they My grandfather is known for his very individualistic style, mm. which I get a lot of my, I guess, charisma mm. and 
personality and my sense of self comes from him and the way he carried himself. I wear a lot of mm -hmm. his clothes still to this mm -hmm. very day. Wow. He just turned 81. Wow. My grandfather is six foot three, dark skin man, chocolate. They used to call him dark and lovely. He was like, that was my name before they made up the, the, the what should we call it? So it was really funny to, to, to kind of discover that. Yeah. His favorite color is also pink. Mm. My favorite color is pink. And it was interesting because he is a very masculine man. He's worked so hard and he's done so many things, but he knew how to dress beautifully. Yeah. So I have a, let's say a safari suit from the 1970s that he gave me years ago when I was like a teen. Yeah. And it's pink. And so he was like, that's when I was going for the pink panther look. <laughs> so Yo, shout out to Gogo -Go from Paris, man. Y'all yeah. got some energy, same energy. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> so he basically didn't give a flying fuck about what anyone thought mm -hmm. or how they perceived him because he had a beautiful woman and great kids and he had a great career. He didn't care, he was very confident. And the confidence is what I think defines his style and it defines mine as well. My grandmother though, <laughs> let's call, you know, I don't wanna use this term rest her soul, but she was a bad bitch. Um, you know, she hosted beautiful parties. Yeah. She looked great, she was Afro-Portuguese, so she had a little flair going on. Mm. But she would wear, she would change her hair, she would wig. She, yeah. she was basically giving you Rihanna before <laughs> Rihanna was born. And to grow up in a household, a family that allowed you to just kind of express yourself through your clothing, mm -hmm really, really pushed me into fashion early. I can remember watching The Wiz as a kid and seeing the Oz dance sequence and they kept playing it for me. And I remember saying to myself, wow, these are all beautiful black people dressed to the nines. Yeah. I, and it was beautiful. Right. But I liked the power of The Wiz mm. more than what I was seeing. The power that he was controlling what was the happening and culture and, yeah. Yeah. and the style. And it led me to go into fashion, that kind of dictating mm. what you should wear, how you should look, understanding colors and how things shift fast, which was trends, yeah. which is what I did as well. But that really pushed me. So going down a generation, right? My dad was fly. <laughs> my dad is fly still. He's a retired military man. But he would wear very refined, very sharp suiting. And then my mom, who's a glamour puss, she would wear sequins, <laughs> you know, yeah. she would wear sequins and sparkle and purple and pink <laughs> in the middle of the day. Right. right. So it's like a lineage of style that mm. I think I inherited. You came from, yeah. And they allowed me to be me, you know, from the beginning. I would, for picture day, I would wear whatever I wanted to wear. You know, I look great. I was voted best dressed in first grade. My mom has the, <laughs> the import <award>. card. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, he dresses well. Like, this was to give me like conduct in the back, like, oh, comments of like, he needs to improve this or his reading. Yeah. They said he is one of the best dressed kids you've ever met. <laughs> and I remember that right. feeling mm -hmm. and saying, this is a weapon. This is after and knowing that clothing meant so much to these older people that I didn't care about because I was a kid. Right, right, right. And how the way they treated me was slightly different from the other kids because I knew I looked and I was carried a different way. Mm. I knew it was a weapon. Yeah. And so yeah. I went in that direction. That's real. Yeah. I just want to shout out The Wiz because a lot, a lot of young, like even myself, I can't take for granted how important that movie was mm -hmm. because it came out before my time, but Mine I remember too. seeing it as an eight, nine, 10 year old and yes. just seeing, you know, Michael Jackson, Diana Ross, and all these amazing actors and actresses Powerful. playing these roles, but also their costumes and the colors and things like that. that and just, we knew the storyline, yeah, right? Yeah, we, but it's just the difference made yeah, yeah. it, you it's know. It's basically The Wizard black. of Oz black, you know? Yeah. And, and and like just seeing that, it just sort of opened up your imagination as a kid because you were like, wow, you were seeing all these black amazing faces just sort of embodying these roles and sort of creating a new world, you know, that 
was interpreted through our lens, you know? So, so shout out to the Wiz. Yeah. Shout out to the Wiz, <laughs> allowing us to dream. Uh, I have a very vivid memory and I can remember sitting there and watching it like age, you know, five and knowing that was something different and I could relate to it. I didn't know that I could, but I did. You know, and then fashion really opened up its arms to me because I got an internship at age 15 mm. working for Baby Fat. Wow. And wow. that to me, it really was manifested. Yeah. I believe I know it was manifested because I remember calling them all the time. Mm. And they kept telling me I was too young. Mm. And how old were you calling at that 15. time? You were 15 at 14, that 14, I was 14, 15. Yeah, and for those who don't know, Baby Fat, <laughs> Russell Simmons, and I think Kamora Simmons. Kamora Lee Simmons, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was the brand. You gotta understand, like Fat Farm, Baby Fat. Those were, yeah, that was like the whole Rockaware era, like yeah. State Property, all those brands, even Diddy with his brand and Sean Combs. That was the beginning, the beginning of an era of urban fashion yes. and culture that really means a lot even now like the the, the references on. right now is yeah. going right back to that exactly and yeah. most people don't realize it but it's going right back to that exact era mm. of hip-hop fashion in, in its early day so, so i kept calling and calling and i kept saying okay we like you we think you're really great and tenacious and you can do things but you're too young so stop calling here wait till you're in college we have, we'll hold a place for you jerome they knew my name and everything and i did i stopped i gave up a few months later, my grandmother passed away. My grandmother, Louise, the one who was a bad bitch. <laughs> she, both my grandmothers were bad bitches, but that was me, you know. For real, for real. She passed away, but I will never forget that she was rubbing my head and she said, I think you're going to go really far if you just follow your dreams. And she was rubbing my head. We was watching Jennifer Lopez, Waiting for Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And she said, I'm going to leave you mm. my sewing machine. Mm. This is in my cousin's room. Mm. And I didn't think it was, like, I was going to see her again. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, I'm right. going to see her, whatever. Right, right, right. And that's the last time I saw her. Wow. <laughs> so crazy. Wow. Yeah. But that's like prophetic, man. It is. It is. And that moment stayed with me. And so, okay, fast forward. After she died, I basically gave up on trying so hard to work for Baby Fat. Mm. I said, okay, I'm gonna focus. I got my first job ever at Key Food. I was the first male cashier. Wow. I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to start from the bottom. Let me just do it. Key Food, Bruckner Boulevard, that whole Bruckner Plaza in the Bronx. And I realized that I was really good at that. Mm. Like, really good. Yeah, yeah. And being liked by people. People and they, person. They would literally go to my line just to see what I was wearing. <laughs> or, you know, I was wearing, you had to wear a shirt and tie. Yeah. But I would like tuck it in and make sure it's really like, together yeah. I wasn't like the stock boys mm. I knew I wasn't because I had something I knew it so yeah. the people the owner of it basically saw that and basically gave me my break as the first male cashier ever anyway that was the beginning so I would be there and I would say you know I'm not gonna be here long guys talking to my fellow cashiers yeah. and employees and say I'm not gonna be here for long because my life is bigger than this mm. and I am going to work for baby fat Straight like that. Straight up. Yeah. So at the end of the night when we had to do you know, back stock and everything, I would be like, yo, y'all need to move faster because I don't want to be here too late. And, you know, I'm like 15. Yeah. Just got my working papers. Right, right. And y'all need to act like there's something else more to life because I'm going to work for baby fat. I'm going to work for baby fat. I don't know about y'all. Right. Y'all, right. and you know, there's no music. So yeah, you can yeah. talk as loud as you want. Everyone can hear you in other roles. Right, right. And I, and I knew it. I felt it. 
And then the next couple of weeks went by. In school, I was in the honor society and one of the teachers I didn't even have, he said, you are so charismatic. You are, I went to art and design high school. You're so charismatic, you're so talented, everyone loves you and you have great grades. Go to this internship program. I was like, what's an internship? Yeah, like, what is that? I didn't even know what it was yeah. at the time. I just knew I wanted to work for a company. I didn't know that that's how you get in through an internship. Mm -hmm. And it was with other leaders and honor society kids from around New York. They were older than I. And we had to do a presentation, put together a brand, basically, and pitch what it was going to be about. Mm -hmm. But before that, we had to sit in front of a panel of industry professionals. I went and I was like, let me just do this stupid shit because yeah, yeah, it's not baby fast, so yeah. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> so people from like Michael Kors and wow. Marc Jacobs and yeah. Tommy Hilfiger, these are like executives, like the VPs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Didn't know that at the time. But also, Russell Simmons's mm -hmm. right-hand man, Kevin Leung, shout out to Kevin Leung, came and he brought his then-girlfriend, Tina Lee. Wow. Child Tina, who's yeah. now my manager. And Tina had just gotten hired as Kimura's assistant mm -hmm. at the time. I was a kid. I was a and I was like, I'm just gonna do this. I'm gonna kick ass because I'm better than everybody here. Yeah. Very you're, confident. You, know, you know, I was yeah. a psycho kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I, I knew my worth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's so crazy because I kept saying I'm going to work for Baby Fat. And I gave up on it. And it's just so crazy. Yeah, no, no, I hear you, man. Because I kept manifesting it. So yeah. Yeah. it was real. Mm. And I remember sitting there at the table and my portfolio was out and I was sketching. And I was so over it because I said, this is not where I need to be because I'm going to work for baby fat. Yeah, yeah. And Tina walked by and she was looking through my portfolio, which I sketched the day before because I didn't have a portfolio. <laughs> yeah. And she said, Kimura is looking for someone just like you. Mm. And I didn't make eye contact with her. I was just like, whatever. Fuck's Kimura. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm 14, I'm 15. Yeah. And she gave me, she wrote her email, clee at babyfat.com on someone else's card because she didn't have cards yet. Yeah. She wasn't supposed to be there. She just went with her boyfriend. And it's real because mm -hmm. she handed over her card. I didn't even make eye contact. Yet. Like, I was like, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. She handed it. I was like, Whatever. I was so yeah. full of myself. <laughs> and I read it and it said, clee at babyfat.com. I remember it because it was like a white card with orange detailing, like a oh, yeah. strip on, on the it. Side, yeah. And it was someone on the flip, it was someone else's card that she just got in. Yeah. She just wrote it. <laughs> and um, it changed my entire life in the way I saw myself and what I knew I could do, what my brain was doing. And I started to practice what I call now as dreaming with a J. Because everything in the universe came together just so I can experience that blissful moment yeah. of achieving a goal that I was working so, I wasn't really working towards it, but I was manifesting it. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm sorry I got a little teary eye No, that, no, but, absolutely, no worries. Uh, it changed my life. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so grateful. Tina is like on my team now, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Years later, because she knows me, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. she, she saw me as a kid, gave me the chance, and you know, there's a lot of ups and downs, but I learned a lot. Um, and long and behold, I started working for Baby Fat as an intern at, baby, at 15 with a stipend and everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to say, man, like that story is like so powerful because, man, just from your sheer determination and will, 
I still can't believe it. Yeah, it's like the universe put you where you needed to be. You know, you just prepared yourself. And like the universe said, you know what, this is where you belong. Mm -hmm. And put you there, even though you weren't even necessarily, you said you gave up on it. Like, you know? I said, this is not for me yet. I gotta wait it out till I'm older. It's funny how life works that way because it's like sometimes in those moments where you're just about to give up that it, it opens shifts. up. It shifts, you know, so. It's the test, I say, mm. to see if you really want it. Because mm. I wanted it, but I said, you know, I'll just, I guess it's not for me right now. Yeah. You know, I got to build myself as a person first. And I, it happened. And it goes to say, I don't care about fashion. Never really cared about fashion. Spirituality is really important to me. It's the first thing. My slogan for everything is gratitude is glamorous. That's why it looks so glamorous because I'm so grateful for when I'm walking down the street, I'm thanking God. Mm. I'm thanking my mom when I'm walking. I think my dad. You know, I thank people when I'm walking. It's like a weird thing. No, I understand. I think the system, the system that makes trees bloom Mm. with cherry blossoms when it's time or when what makes clouds move, you know, I yeah. thank it because yeah. I know I was here for a reason. Absolutely. Right? So that's what pushes me. Yeah, yeah. And it just so happens I use fashion to express it. Yes, that's just a vehicle. It's mm-hmm. just a vehicle to do it. So working at Baby Fat, what was it like working there and what led you to your uh, next step? Working at Baby Fat back in the day, his heyday, it was epic. <laughs> it was really epic. Yeah. Because it was the place to be at the time. Mm. The best fashion shows, the best brands that everyone was wearing. It was amazing to take the bus from the hood and see what was really happening Yeah, yeah. in my early years working there and then apply it to a collection or design direction that I'm seeing develop in the boardroom, right? Mm-hmm. It transformed me into a, I don't want to say I was a businessman, mm-hmm. I was really young, but it transformed me into how to work in corporate. Yeah. Because it was a corporate environment. And it empowered me because I saw and met a lot of young executives that were of color. Mm. So, and they were, you know, it was gay, it was straight, it was, it was white folks, it was Asians, it was black folks, it was yeah. Latinas, but they were all, you know, amazing young professionals. And I, you know, they was in their twenties and yeah. I was like a team, but yeah. they had amazing work ethics, and that's where I got a lot of it from. I've always been a worker, but it got heightened working there. And then my position was created for me Mm. because I was there for so long, I didn't realize the company was growing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just love going to work every day. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go. I still was working at Key Food (laughs) part-time. But then the, I left and then, you know, just living off my stipend that I made mm. and I was in high school and then going to college. That's so crazy. Yeah. Because Tina allowed me to, she bought markers <laughs> <laughs> and I used the paper from the copy room and I built my portfolio to apply for FIT. Wow, wow. Sitting right in that main, <laughs> yeah. in like the forum it right, was. Right, right, And she allowed me to do that, wow. you know? Wow. Yeah. And I walked it down the street to FIT. Yeah, and right that's in how I applied. Yeah, yeah, wow. I applied and it was the last day. She said, <laughs> Tina said, you can't do that. You can't, like she was no joke back in the day. She was like, you can't be waiting to do something that's really important. Mm. And um, I was still a kid, so I was learning through everything. Yeah. You know, I procrastinated and that was the last time I did. It was crazy because if I didn't brave up and say, I need to do this portfolio mm-hmm. to apply, 
And for her seeing that I had potential from the beginning, but by that point, you know, I'm 17 now. So she's like, Jerome, right. like, <laughs> get it together. Yeah, yeah. And she allowed me to, I illustrated and found swatches in the fashion district and assembled my submission for FIT. I got an A. I found out that I got an A from the professors. The professors said, you know, you're the only person that we gave an A to. Wow, wow. So I feel very blessed because I don't know why I'm blessed. Mm. I don't know why, but, um... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. Shit. No, it's okay, it's okay. Sorry. Mm. I don't know why I'm so blessed, but... <laughs> it's okay. It's, okay. It's, it's amazing, so... Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, and, and I'm, I'm so fucking <laughs> retarded. No, no, man. And I just really want to mm. say it's so real to experience and see it and just be, be an observer of it because you, you know, at such a young age were able to create the life for yourself that you wanted. It's crazy. And we have a lot of young listeners that listen. And, you know, one of the things that I'm glad they're able to hear through you is you're really never too young. No, you're start, never too young. To start your dream. And you're never too old, actually. True, true, true. Yeah, there's you no know? age limit or minimum to achieving your goals. Exactly. You know, and I could only imagine what that was like for you going into, you know. There was no Instagram. There was no yeah. There was no Facebook. MySpace had just started to really mm. take off. There was no term for me at that point. Yeah. Like me as a person, as yeah. a persona, as a your, designer. Your social network was living. Like was that was your social crazy. network. Yeah, like it people, was literally, oh, yeah. okay, and your work ethic and mm. who you are and your reputation, mm. it was real. So yeah. I've learned from, I think people fucked with me, literally everyone yeah. fucked with me <laughs> at that time because I was so young, so, so young, and they knew me from my work ethic. Yeah. Because yeah. I wouldn't sit there to, to talk and play I was there moving and pushing and lifting and working. I didn't really care about yeah. nothing but work. Yeah, like you said before, it was your confidence as well. You know, yeah. you didn't let people treat you, even though you were young, you didn't let them treat you like a little kid. Absolutely You know, not. you were like, no, I'm They here. even know they did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, like, you didn't let anyone like little homie. Right. You know, for sure. I, and when they did, I bossed up on them because mm. I knew my shit. Yeah, yeah. Like I literally did my research, I knew what was happening next, I knew what was happening then, but the, the best part about it is, I knew how to merge it with mm. what's happening now. Yeah. Like yeah. I was on the streets, hanging out with all the cute young models and the hipsters that was, they weren't even called hipsters then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, tastemaker, I don't know what they were called, what we were called, but yeah. we were going into clubs, we was underage, because we were the plugs, like mm. we were the cute young kids everybody, you know, wanted to have present. I wasn't a drinker, I don't drink or smoke. But my friends did, and it was cool to be the plug to say, he needs a drink. You know, it was, it was my yeah. age drinking, but yeah. we were, it was cool to just be around some of the most influential people that are around now, right? Yeah. Vashti, hanging out with Vashti back in the day. Shane Oliver from Hood by Air. Raul, my best friend, Anthony Hendrickson. I'm giving them all shout outs. Yeah, no, um, please do, say more. <laughs> who else? Yeah, Theophilus London was around. Khalees was partying with us. Oh my gosh, so weird. <laughs> so yeah. crazy. You also had, oh, my friend Ian Bradley, who used to do all the doors. Mm. And then me, and I, I was hanging out with Chanel Iman, and she was so young. You know, Joe Smalls. It was like different because it wasn't, it was just a different time. Yeah, it was like pre-social media. Pre-social so media, like Damaris Lewis, who was here the other night, I love you. <laughs> it was a very fertile time. Mm. And so we were allowed to do whatever we wanted. Really, really beautiful. 
Yeah, that's real. That's real, man. So and corporate cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably living off that. <laughs> what sort of led you to transitioning from working at Baby Fat and meeting these amazing people to starting your own brand? Yeah, so it I mean, was at a young age as well. Yes. Yeah. I left Baby Fat on Halloween of twenty three when I turned twenty three. I love Halloween, so I chose that day. <laughs> yeah. I wore a costume and everything. It was a costume party. It was a costume going away, kind of like, oh, he's leaving, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're my family, so they it was dope. Right, right. I'm so grateful for them. Still speak to everyone. I wanted to grow. I remember telling people there and telling the execs that I knew, even though I was part of it, what was happening, and they weren't listening. Mm. And I got fresh. I was still young, so I got really frustrated and decided to leave and became a trend forecaster after I started working for Ralph Rucci, who was the first American couturier. So I don't use the term couture because if it's not made and certified as a couturier, you're not making couture. Mm. I learned how to really make garments from inside out by hand, beading, which is where I discovered I was really good with my hands because baby fat, I was doing mood boards and sketching. Yeah. And yeah. But I learned that I was really good at hand beading and I was patient enough and it was like a zen-like thing for me yeah. to create with my hands mm-hmm. for the first time in my entire career. Of course, FIT, but yeah. that's not really, you know, I became Ralph Rucci's apprentice, mm. learned so much. But they couldn't afford me from the lifestyle I was living. Yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, did some relocating to Paris and learned to become a trend forecaster from mm. people that I've worked with in the past as a, you know, designer on Baby Fat End. I worked with all these big companies, which allowed me to use forecasting companies. And I knew I was good at it. Tina, thank you for putting it into my ear, saying you should be a forecaster. Why don't you just become a trend forecaster? For those people who are trying to break into trend forecasting, you know it's very hard. And at the time, it was very small. Mm. It wasn't trendy. And I was the youngest. I was the only one who was black. But I was respected because I knew my shit. So I, at the time, it was the street culture that was starting to really emerge. Not hip-hop, streetwear. Now, this is when bloggers started to become something. Mm. And I knew all of them and most of them. And I was telling them, this is what's going to be cool next. And then I was telling these big brands, Calvin Klein, L'Oreal, Nike, Adidas, you name it, giving them forecasts. Yeah. So I realized I had something different because I've worked in hip hop and I've had the respect of designing and running design teams. And I've worked in couture, which is I'm the only person that I know who worked in both hip hop and in a true couture house, like yeah. a true couturier. You were in both of those worlds comfortably. Comfortably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And thrived in it. And then moved on to trend forecasting. It was all the same year, because, you know, I moved fast. I knew it was not working for me yeah. As, a, yeah, yeah. as a couturier. And I merged my understanding of high-end quality, mm. streetwear, and living in the culture, being in a culture. And it became my own unique... DNA in the trend forecasting world. So yeah. people really, really was fucking with me because yeah. I was like telling them the truth. That's why no one's gonna wear that. This is a piece of shit. Why would you wear that color? You know, like I was saying, not even caring what they thought. I was just saying, no one's gonna wear that because we laughed at this guy wearing it, you know? And they respected that. Yeah. It allowed me to see that there was a void. Years that I've worked in trends for about eight years most of my career, and I realized it was a void. I realized that it was becoming very boring and minimal and subtracted. And so in 2013, I decided to 
show my own perspective, which was a fusion of high-end and streetwear. And it was talking to maximalism and glamour and how can we interpret streetwear in a more luxurious way? No one was doing it. And it was hard because when I went to speak to Vogue in particular, they didn't understand me. Um. And I wanted the validation from them because I said, this is new. And I forgot that I am not, <laughs> it's funny, this is fucked up, I'm gonna say. I am not about being behind culture. I was put on this earth to push it forward. Wow. wow. So, it was at that moment when I realized that they didn't show up to my show that I had to retrain people's brains. And so I picked up where I left. I went from the baby fat world with whimsical of the trend forecasting concepts and ideas and created 531 Jerome. Mm. And you look at 444, but yeah, you see it, right, right, it's right, funny, right? <laughs> we talk about this, I love Jay, yeah. I love B. I can relate to them because we understand the same understanding of the all. Mm. God. Um, but I kept seeing that time, 531. That's mm. my birthday. Mm. But what I didn't say earlier was my grandmother told me to look for it mm. that night. Wow. 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 <laughs> that night, the last time I spoke to her, mm. and she said that. So she said, always look for your numbers. Those are your numbers, baby. Like, so crazy. I kept looking for them, and they kept saying, every time, every time I would do something for someone, every time I would pick up something, I would see the number 531. And my friend kept saying, why don't you just name your brand 531? I was like, no, that's weird. No one's ever did that. Mm. No one's ever put it as time. Yeah, yeah. And then I remember having conversations with people and thinking how precious that moment was for my grandmother. Yeah, yeah. And how you could never get that time back. So it made total sense to put that time before the Jerome, because it came before me mm. and it defined who I am. Yeah, it set the course. It set the course. And so therefore, I decided to create a streetwear brand called 531 Jerome, which was based off maximalism and whimsical, the same thing that Gucci's doing now, because mm -hmm. it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And then it's a fact, you can look at all the write-ups I was in. And I've always spoke about my Bronx heritage, mm. how proud I was of that. The brand wasn't received well by buyers, because. They didn't understand it. So I met with Barney's, I met with, we met with Bergdorf, we met with pretty much everybody. They all kept calling, contacting me because they loved what we were doing. But when I met with them, I wasn't prepared. I didn't know certain ins and outs and verbiage and how Language, the terms yeah. are, you know? Yeah, yeah. I didn't understand that. And my business partner at the time was, we didn't understand it, we were just doing it because we were loving it. Spent a lot of money of our own. We learned and basically it was funny because I, kind of gave up. I kind of gave up again. It was like, maybe this is too forward for people. They don't understand it. If Vogue doesn't get it, then blah, blah, blah. And I ended up taking this plum jacket for my second season. It had crystals all on it. Giant, giant, trash, like giant crystals. And hitting this girl up named Zarina Akers, who is Beyonce Salas. Just met her recently at that point. And said, listen, I'm gonna just put these pieces away. I can give you a sweatshirt. She was like, I don't want a sweatshirt, honey. Give me some pieces. The same day I dropped off these pieces to B's apartment downtown. And the next day she wore it. What? That's, she wore it for seven, the 7-Eleven relaunch of her Beyonce album that changed the world. Yes, yes. She wore it. Wow, wow. And everyone kept hitting me up on Instagram, like, Beyonce's wearing your jacket, Jerome. They were tagging me in this picture and I was like, but she, I wasn't sure if she was gonna wear it. I thought it was trash. Mm. And there's the same jacket, same coat, 
the plum coat with Swarovski crystals on it, virgin wool, lined in silk. Mm. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Same jacket that I brought to all these buyers and said, this is the next wave. It's going mm. to be big one day. Wow. And they turned it down. They yeah. turned it down. Yeah. And those same buyers hit me up mm. right after they saw Beyonce wearing it. Yeah, yeah. And guess what I did? Denied them. Because mm. why would I want to go through you when I can go through myself and stack my own money? Yeah. Because now you played me. Because now I'm going to use social media mm. to make money. Mm. That's what I did. That's so powerful, man. <laughs> like, first of all, shout out to you because like you had enough vision. Your story is the epitome of what it means to bet on yourself. You know, especially when all of the fashion houses or even department stores that you may have even looked up to didn't see your vision. It's like you have real. you have to see your own vision. You and, have to. and it was almost like God's way of sort of saying, like, let me put you in front of these people, but then let me just take you to the source. Let me put you where you really want to be and exactly. you deserve to be. You know? I learned so much from that moment when B wore it. She was the first person to ever wear 531 Jerome. Mm. Period. Mm. I was actually the first black designer at that moment. It was a push for black designers that she wore. Mm. So it was after that, everyone started to come in, which was really cool. And it shifted the paradigm because I said to myself, I don't even need to be in a store necessarily. <laughs> like yeah. I can literally do it my way, you yeah. know? Like this is an old antiquated system and I don't have to, I've never fit in it. Mm. I'm literally in my own little world. I've been in it since I started to find my power, right, from mm. this. And we got orders, we made money, and then we was able to show again the next season, the third season. I kept saying, I wanted to go to Dubai. God, I want to go to Dubai. <laughs> and we were contacted to fly to Dubai. And I was the first black American designer. Not the first, but I'm pretty sure there was someone before me. But at this time, I was the first person to show my collection in, in Dubai. Wow. And it's funny because I was inspired by Dubai so much that the season was inspired by sand and the yeah. desert, which was dope because it was perfect. Mm. Mm. And they flew us out to Dubai. Yeah. <laughs> just the way I said it would. Mm. And this is all coming from me stretching my muscle. Your mental. My mental uh, muscles. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm really dreaming this up. Mm. I said, okay, let's try it again. I want to do da 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 and it will come right to me. Mm. I was like, okay, let's try it again. <laughs> yeah, I kept, I kept trying it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I kept saying, I was still trend forecasting because it was a consulting, so I got to have freedom. It paid the bills. Mm -hmm. One day, I decided to say, I'm either gonna work with Samsung or consult with them. Because outside my office on 35th Street and 7th Avenue, there was a billboard, a Samsung billboard, and it was just there. And I was like, oh my gosh, they have so much potential. Mm -hmm. So I would tell my coworker at the time, I'm gonna work for Samsung. <laughs> I don't know how. I kept prospecting, trying to find someone I could make into my client. Yeah. Never happened. I get an email and they asked me, would I be interested in being part of the Samsung campaign? <laughs> and they wanted to fill my apartment and get into my world. I was like, oh yeah, well, that's what I'm working out of. So come, you know, like yeah. they came to my apartment, which is 9J. Mm. And Basically, these people who may have never been to the Bronx had big trucks and trailers outside. They filmed in my apartment. It was a little small little store, and they fell in love with my apartment. Mm. And it was like, this is going to be one epic <laughs> uh, ad campaign. Yeah. Which is so crazy because I got paid really well mm. to do it. And we shot it. We did it. It didn't air 
You know why? Because they showed they gave the wrong phone to me. Are you serious? But wow. here's how God works, because I needed more money to do my next collection. They reshot it. <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> and we reshot it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the same exact thing, just a different phone. <laughs> same exact everything. Yeah, same script. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> and I made sure they said Bronx, New York. Mm. And they did my quote, and it was like, oh, absolutely, because this is beautiful. They couldn't believe it. I said, oh my God, you gotta create, you need a world. You need to create a world for this, because this is your apartment, so beautiful. I was like, yeah, well, one day, I want to open up something in the Bronx one day, mm. but I don't think that's likely, because I'm focused on my brand. Yeah. I can't afford it right now. But one day, I kept telling the you know, advertising directors and stuff that yeah. worked on it. Months later, mm. an amazing real estate developer, friend, now, was flipping through with his sister. They were flipping through, uh, I forget what it was, maybe it's the Times or one of the really expensive books. I think it was in Vogue as well. I run if I made it to Vogue, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Vogue it, made it to you. Basically. <laughs> and basically, they flipped and they found me. Mm. They read it and it was like, oh my gosh, this guy, who's this guy? And they contacted me mm. and offered me an uh, opportunity to basically open up my first boutique mm. and I can afford it. It's my world and I can create, do what you want. Just do something you want. Yeah. And I did. And now we're in 9J, the actual right. physical extension of my apartment. Yeah, yeah, we're recording this episode in 9J, everyone. Like this is an amazing, an amazing space. Like, can you tell people where it is in the Bronx so they know? Yes, it's 41 Bruckner. Boulevard in the South Bronx. You take the six train to 138th Street, or you can take the four or five to, I believe, one of those <laughs> adjacent <laughs> yeah. stops. But it's like five minutes over the bridge, too, if you take it from um, Harlem or 125th. 125th, and it's like a five dollar ride. It's yeah. great. So we are literally recording this podcast in another one of your dreams. Physically, yes. Physically, this is a physical This is a physical manifestation. And so it goes to say that it's real mm. it's real because who would have known me daydreaming in my bedroom as a kid because i was a loner would lead me to do exactly to do everything and i'm still developing it mm. everything i wanted to do and more because yeah. yeah. we're sitting in my store in the south bronx which was always my dream to open up something in the bronx Ironically, I'm of age and I could handle it. And it's as if I was born to do this, right? Because now, let's take a step back. I'm from the Bronx, the birthplace of hip hop. Worked for Russell Simmons in the heyday of hip hop fashion. <laughs> Had an opportunity to learn luxury and hard work and spirituality through that experience. And all of the things I've done from talking to people and saying, it's all about the Bronx, the Bronx, the Bronx, the Bronx. I have my own store now. I had a successful brand. I got Miss Tina, Beyonce's mom, to come and hang out okay. and shop here and other celebrities. And it all happened at the right divine timing. Yeah. No commission was down the street. Right, right. Swiss came here before it all happened. It was like, yo, we got to open up. We got to do something. <laughs> and he did it. And um, it was it's a blessing. You had to get down that honored hip hop. You know, the hip hop culture just came out and now it's over. You have the return to street style, streetwear, hip hop, and the macro culture. 
You have Dapper Dan getting his respect as far as his hip hop experience that Gucci knocked off recently. Shout out to Dapper Dan, the legendary. Shout out to my uncle, Pee Wee Kirkland. Mm. And I just so happened to be, I just turned 32. I just so happened happened to be exactly where I said I was going to be when I was a kid in the place I wanted to be, the Bronx, doing exactly what I said I wanted to do. And now the Bronx is having a moment. It's now the hottest place on earth. We were written up as number 50 of 51 of places to travel in the year 2017. Me personally, we've been in everything as far as like New York Times. There's so much real estate development happening around the store. And I'm where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Everything happens for a reason. Everything. <laughs> so true. So true. And you, you're a living embodiment of that. And I see the Bronx. Like, shout out to people like you, people like Swiss. Yes. People who are really putting on Josh. for the city. Yeah, Josh. Yeah, Travis. Josh and Travis. Uh, yeah, yeah. Straight on. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> yeah, like... Dice. Dice. <laughs> my brother Dice. You got, listen, you got Cardi B, who's now the biggest. Yo, shout out to Cardi B, yes. man. Like, for um, real. <laughs> you know, Remy Ma's back. Yeah. It's as if we were given a second chance to rebuild our legacy. Mm. I want to build mine as far as fashion, culture, more culture than fashion, but keeping culture cool and connecting dots. That's my vision. And I know it. I know. I know. I know. I know that everything happens for a reason. And if you don't believe it, my life is living proof. People who are a lot older than me, let's say reference Jay-Z, Beyonce, Puffy, who's one of my favorite people to reference because he talks about God quite often. Yeah, It all happens for a reason. You were put here for a purpose. Your goal is to discover that and enhance it. And how can you connect dots and make the earth better or enlighten people or empower people? I'm empowering people who have forgotten because those stores who didn't give me an opportunity are now kind of fighting with me to kind of gain attention. And I'm not. I'm not fighting with anyone because I'm in my own world. I'm in my world, the Bronx. So I'm in up and coming area. I'm getting people to come and support. No team. You don't see any team. It's just me. Yeah. Sometimes I force my siblings and my fiance to help yeah. and my family. We're close like that. And I am going to build this empire. Whether I lose it tomorrow, I'm still going to keep working towards this vision because it's bigger than what I'm allowing people to see at this mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. So nine months ago, my sister was having some difficulties with the baby, my niece, Journey, mm-hmm. who's probably listening. <laughs> um, and I felt it, but I was kind of called there to sit by her side at the bedside and she was having difficulties as I walked into the room and I was like, oh my God, what am I supposed to do? So I, okay, so when I meditate, when I do, when I use the term dreaming or meditating, it's like a physical sensation I could feel. It comes from the back of my heels, up my spine to the crown of my head. And I could feel it kind of disperse over my entire physical body. I could feel it. I could, it's like a tingling sensation, right? Mm-hmm. I could feel it when I'm talking to God, when I'm praying, I could feel it. Don't know why, but something said, do the reverse of that. Do the reverse of how you usually meditate and push your chi, I guess, push your chi around differently. So I'd use it from my center, my core, my heart chakra. And I felt it go up through my brain, back down and through my hands. And I laid my hands on my sister and you can ask the doctors in the room. And her heart rate, everything went low. It went went down because she was having it was too high, yeah. it was breaching the baby. Yeah. 
And the doctor said, whatever you're doing, just keep doing that. <laughs> I was like, I guess. I mean, right, right. so but I, his, this is how it works. Two days later, my niece was born. And guess what time she was born? 5.31 a.m. <laughs> Wow. My mom kept, so during wow. labor, my mom was laughing. Watch, she's going to be born at 5.31 a.m. My sister and I was like, shut the fuck up. Be quiet. She's trying to push. Like, right, right, calm right. down. You're doing too much, Ma. Shut up. Mm. My niece was born at 5.31 a.m. Mm. And it's almost as if, her birthday asked to nine It's almost as if my grandmother wasn't telling me to look for that number four. Because she was very spiritual before she, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. She had the gift. She wasn't telling me to look for that number for me. She was looking for a number I needed to be present for. <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. And so my niece was born, and I was there to help her deliver. And I whispered affirmations into her ear. The first, I'm the first person she saw, and I whispered into her ear and whispered like 10 affirmations into her ear. And she looked at me. Mm. And now we're in this UJ phase. They call me UJ now. UJ. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very grateful for it. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. You have to use your brain power and don't get distracted. I feel like people don't want you to use it. They want to distract you with the nonsense on TV. They want to distract you with the crap happening in your day-to-day -day life. But if you take minutes and days and time to sit with yourself, you can discover it. Another one. Okay. The one year anniversary was coming up and I was saying to myself, the backyard, I promised everyone in my opening a year ago, that my backyard would be done and I don't have money to, to find my funds to do the backyard makeover. Amazing designers, Afro Chic, Janine and Brian, they approached me with an opportunity to do my backyard and they did my backyard, which is now, I call it the oasis. The right people will come to you. Whoever's listening, the right people is gonna come to you. You just have to be prepared. Don't get distracted with the nonsense. Don't get tainted with BS. I mean, I love sex, so, you know, have sex. But um, <laughs> focus on your goal and don't let anyone distract you from that because the goal and that vision was given to you. Like, everyone has a different gift, right? So you got to discover that gift. Everyone was put on Earth to do something that's going to move the planet and the human race forward. Discover that. And that's it. Look at the signs. Don't feel weird because it's real. It's real. It's real. So we're living in it, man. We're living, we're living in it. it. Man, it's real. We got to do another episode, man. Yeah, I yeah, mean, this is like whatever. too good. This is too good. <laughs> I feel like you have so much more to share, bro. I do, um, and I don't ever really because people only <laughs> see the glam, right? But everyone who really, really knows me because mm. I'm really introverted, they know how I am. Real. Like yeah. when I'm in here by myself, I'm talking to God. Mm. And a few years ago, when I it's funny because in between jobs, I had to work in my a retail store, and I was asking God. And, and I was embarrassed because I was making, it was a consulting gig that forced me to work on the floor to tell them feedback and make people feel good. It was a concept store for Cut 20, it's called Cut 25. Mm -hmm. And I was so miserable. I loved it, but then I got miserable. I was like, oh my God, all my fly ass friends, they're seeing me in the store. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it was a humbling experience because I needed to learn, right? I needed yeah. to like become. Yeah. And so, so weird because I remember talking to God when no one was in the store. We were like walking, it's about the same length of the store, yeah. ironically, yeah. the same exact. I kept walking around the store and saying, God, why, why am I here? I don't know why are you happy in the store? I thought I was blessed to be this person and do this and travel the world. I was traveling, you know, yeah. used to that kind of lifestyle. Life, yeah. From being a trend forecaster, allowed me to travel and 
make money. I was making money, but I had to work, physically work in the store, help them open. First, I never, you know, put a code in to turn the lights on. I had to make sure flowers were being shipped out, you know, making sure garments were not being stolen and counting, making sure the art, you know, talking about the art. And now I have a store. I yeah. learned all that at that moment. Right. And I, it when, was when I shifted, you and it's funny it. because when I shifted my brain from saying, okay, why am I here? Oh my God, my friends. Blah, 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 blah. And I said, oh wait, I'm here for a reason. And I started to love it. Mm. That's when a whole nother thing came and swept me mm. back out. I was like, shit, I liked it. Like I was having fun. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah. yo, the, oh, the CEO <laughs> thinks I'm so dope. Like yeah. they wanted to do something with me. And I was like, cause I was in it. Like, oh, mm. this is mad dope. I'm gonna be in retail <laughs> for the rest of my life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I just owned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's another part. My mm. old assistant came to the store and was like, I need you to come back to do trends for the other company. Like yeah. I left the company to do my own consulting thing and it didn't yeah. work out. Yeah. And the story worked out, I guess it did. Mm -hmm. And then she was like, I need you to come back. And like, but I would say to myself, bitch, I trained you. Mm -hmm. The first home experience was a store. The second one was basically getting back to my roots and trends, but under my old assistant who I trained. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I was humble as fuck. Yeah, yeah. But once I started to love it, I was like, wait, She's like my sister. The same way Tina found me when mm -hmm. I was young, I found Maria in a store, Adidas Silver to be exact. She sold me a shirt and I was like, oh my God, you're so cute. She was a freshman in college at FIT. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, you're Latina, you're Ecuadorian, you're pretty. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Okay. And I gave her... <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> so crazy, I'm sorry. I'm like... No, it's okay. It's okay. I forgot that I gave her... I wrote my card, my info on a card. Yeah. The same, it's like a fucking, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, I get no, a little, okay. it just, it, it hit me. Like I did the same thing Tina did to me. Mm. Crazy. Full circle. Full and circle. then she came in, she kind of rescued me from the retail thing and brought me back into trends. Mm. I had to relearn things because I was in a different mindset, right? Yeah. So yeah. I had to, Relearn things. It was in a different office, different everything. I was like, oh my God, this is not how office was. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is not how I would run my office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't my office. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my job. And then um, mm -hmm. it was humbling because I learned so much through her eyes and the industry had shifted already. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I've gained more experience now, right? From retail, like it just kept building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. And ironically, she hit me up the other day. She just moved to Boston and we we're gonna work on an urban project, mm. a hip hop urban streetwear project. Wow. So I'm hired back as a consultant for the company I kept leaving. Wow. You see, like I left on good terms like, all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. So it's like full circle. Total full circle. Full circle, double full circle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm so grateful because gratitude is glamorous. That's mm -hmm. my slogan. And whatever God's doing, yeah. I'm just gonna keep going and let him use me. So. Yeah, that's it. The fact that you appreciate it as it's happening. Hell yeah. Opens Maybe not as, as it's happening. Oh, but, okay, yeah. Well, now that I'm older, I can understand, okay, I'm here for a reason. I'm living this. Yeah. This is what you gotta learn. You have to grow from this one experience, yeah. you know? Yeah. And now that I do that with everything I do, things happen more rapidly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Before it was like a little more of a learning curve and I was like, I can do anything, I can manifest this, that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it. there's other things in it that I didn't talk about from Miss Tina wearing my, ironically, going to the tour last year 
and finding the beaded piece I made for Beyonce, I made costumes. Mm -hmm. And she needed to wear it for a wearable art mm -hmm. gala that she does. I think that was the first annual last year. And she wore it. But I felt sad because I thought I wasn't good enough for the tour at first. Because mm -hmm. I was like, why? I was like, oh God, I was ready to start on everybody. Like, I was ready to like really say, yeah, bitch, Beyonce's wearing my stuff for the tour. I'm gonna go to the concert too. <laughs> I was so sure of myself and it didn't happen. Mm. But it got, it was even better than I could expect it. Mm. Could have ever expected it. Because instead of Beyonce wearing it, I got the VIP experience, right? Miss Tina came in and she found it. Out of all the designers that was in the room, in the closet, she found my one piece. That one piece I beaded so took so long to bead. And I was beating it during the opening, the week that I had to open up the store. Yeah. So it was a very Busy. intense time for yeah. me. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was also beating because I had to fly to LA to help my fiance do an event. Yeah. So I was beating on the plane, beating, and I didn't, you know, I had to like work. And I came back and kept working. And that one piece, I did like three pieces, but that one piece, her mom wore it. Yeah. And came to the store for the first time and changed the course of 9J. Yeah. Because Miss Tina came. But that was after I was invited to this show and treated with VIP and the utmost respect. I, and as I walked in, here's how God works. I just so happened to, John and I just so happened to arrive at the right time to be escorted through the VIP entrance mm. with security. And Swiss had just gotten off the stage. Wow. I didn't really know Swiss at the time. Yeah. He came to my store, but he knew, he remembered me when he, I said, oh, I did something for Beyonce back in the, you know, I do yeah. stuff for B from time to time. You know, I don't think he took me, like, he was like, he was like a kid. Yeah. <laughs> but then he saw me being escorted backstage and da, 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 and that created a different environment for Swiss and I as well, mm -hmm. you know? So everything happens for a reason because I was escorted and we had amazing seats and we was brought backstage to meet Miss Tina. Thank you, Miss Tina. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you too, B and Zarina and everyone who believes in the vision. Thank you. And so she, after the after party, because it was lit, <laughs> it was all VIP people, it was all, you know, Parkwood, yeah. et cetera. We had to wake up early and Beyonce was so polite and she gave me a hug for the first, I never met Beyonce at, until that point. She said, continue doing what you're doing, we will always support you. Mm. Awesome. Just say that in your ear, and it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And Jay was there, everyone was there. And the next day I had to hang out with Miss Tina. <laughs> but I didn't expect Miss Tina was coming up here. I thought mm. she was going to just stay in the city. And she came up and was like, I want to see your store. So store, fell in love, supported. And um, that opened up a, you know, new chapter. a new chapter for 9J. Separate from me as a person, but right. you know, it became its own little thing. So everything happens for a reason, even though you can't see it at the time. You know, everything happens for a reason. And I can't wait to tell my story in my first book. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be I'll be copying that for that. sure. Yeah, the man. dream. I'm gonna name it like the dreamer's guide to do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> you know, exactly. Who knows? I don't know what I'm gonna name yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I never. I'm, I haven't even thought about writing a book. But mm. maybe that's what it'll be called. Your story means so much. Yeah, I mean, and I'm talking to the kids in the hood who think they can't get there because mm. you can. You just have to play your cards. See it for yourself. And see it for yourself. And really manifest it, like take a step back and be present. Because mm. it's called a present for a reason. Be present. It's a gift. Awesome. And that's that.
So I'm just looking forward to the day where we all see the same dream that you have, man. It's going to be lit. <laughs> so with that, reporting from 9J in the Bronx, this has been Jerome Lamar on The Open Canvas, and we're out. To find out more about The Open Canvas, hit up our website, theopencanvas.com. Also stay tuned to our Instagram, at The Open Canvas. And for any questions or inquiries, hit up my email, Taj, T-A-J, dot opencanvas at gmail.com. This has been The Open Canvas, produced by Taj Alexander and edited by Amanda Hughes.